0: Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online service. Our theme for this year is Plus One, which encourages us to invite someone to join us in worship and fellowship. Our mission statement is simple. It's loving God, loving people, and loving life. We hope that this message will serve as a source of inspiration and encouragement for you. Each episode, we will explore different aspects of our faith, share stories of hope and healing, and discuss ways we can make a positive impact in our community and the world. So whether you're a long-time member of our church or just tuning in for the first time, we welcome you to join us on this journey. Let's make 2023 a year of growth, both for ourselves and for those around us. Thanks for listening. Here we go.
1: Amen. How many of you know that God's got a plus one in your life? Amen. Hey, also, let me uh, let the kids go. If they haven't gone already, we're going to let them go. Looks like they've already slipped out. Did you let them go? You let them go. Well, listen, you're on. I was busy saying hi. All right, well, hey, I got all the, all the big kids then. Hey, good to see you. You never look so good, never look so young. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, hey, as I, as I was saying, uh, everybody's got a plus one. Uh, if you're watching online, I just want to encourage you, you just might be our plus one, meaning. Uh, it's your time to come and pay a visit and be a part of the local church, the local family, and we just extend the invitation to you. But listen, God's going to put some people on your heart. God's going to begin to direct you to those that are ready. You know, Jesus said this, that the harvest is ripe. And so that means that people are in the position ready to receive Jesus. We live in a hopeless world, and you and I, as the church, are the hope of the world. And so, listen, we're going to purpose to be uh, uh, establishing a campaign of just reaching this community and again, we're going to make a difference, amen? And so one of the things that we said a couple weeks ago is we said, you know, we wanted to set aside a time for prayer and fasting. And so just in a couple of weeks, I'm getting you ready ahead of time, just making you aware of it, but we're going to just go into a time of prayer and fasting just as we pur- pursue the face of God, but also just seek God's heart for who our plus one might be. And so we're excited about it. This is Easter season that's coming up, and I just believe that we're going to see a major impact because God's growing the church, amen? Amen. 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 Well, hey, listen, we're going to start a new series today, but I just received this book the other day and I just thought it was amazing. Uh, It's a book called Where Are the Missing People? And so this is a good book that you can put on your counter. You know, in the event that we all go home to be with the Lord or when we go home to be with the Lord, you can set this on your, you know, your countertop right there. And that way, when somebody comes in, maybe your friends or your family thinking, I haven't heard from so-and-so for the longest time. And they get into your house, they get to see this book. It's like, where did all the missing people go? So what it does is it tells you how to find Jesus if you missed him when he came back. Amen. I think it even says in here, uh, if you're in my house and I'm gone, help yourself to whatever I have. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. So anyways, that was a pretty cool book. I received that as a gift the other day. And so, uh, again, always thinking about people that need Jesus. Amen. And so, hey, speaking of which, we're starting a brand new series today simply called Family Ties. Uh, it's that season where we're just purposing to think about family, thinking about marriage, thinking about kids. And uh, how many of you know that God's intent and God's desire is all about the family? Amen. Uh, again, with that being said, his heart and His desire is to grow His family. And so I really want to encourage you that, you know, it's it's the time to be aware of the season that we're, that we're in because Jesus is coming soon. Uh, you may say, you, you guys talk about that a lot. I, I just, I feel that there is such an urgency within my heart, within my spirit that, again, it's time to get ready. And if you've, if you'll just take personal inventory, it's really easy to notice that we've been distracted for many years now. And there's been a lot of things that have just been layered on and piled on, and things that have just kind of uh, uh, quietly and, and just kind of covertly uh, infiltrated the church, the people of God, to get us distracted. Amen. And so I really want you to begin to take some inventory about yourself. Where am I with God? Am I right with God? You know, concerning my family, my kids, are my kids. Uh, are they right with God are they going to go to heaven you might say well they're 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 my kids you know of course they're going to go to heaven if they don't know Jesus they're not going you might say well they believe in God listen the devil believes in God believing in God does not get you to heaven it's receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you might say well I think they did that well if they did that then the evidence would be proof and evident in their life right amen just call it the way that it is. In fact, I, I hope you'll forgive me. No, I'm not going to ask you for your forgiveness because, again, just in the hour that we're living, we need to, we need to hear some, some very bold uh, preaching concerning the time and the season that we're in. Amen. Right? I would rather people get offended and say, I can't believe that you said that. And maybe it would be something that would shake you to your core that would make you actually move toward, toward God or pursue God as a result of what you heard. Amen? I, I mean, man, I'm telling you what. I, I would I would rather save your family from going to hell than saving the the, the opportunity of, of offending somebody. Does that make sense? And so again, I just want you to know, man, it is, it is the hour. It is the hour that Jesus is coming soon. And so let's get ready. Let's begin to catch on fire. Let's get excited. In fact, for that matter, uh, one of the things that, you know, I said everything, that there there's distractions that seems to be so prevalent within our world. I mean, every which way that you turn, you see that there's distractions. But with the distractions also, you see that people are just so touchy. What do I mean by that? It's easily offended. Well, why do people get offended? It's because the enemy wants you to stop hearing the truth. Right? If I get offended, then I'll leave the place that God's called me to. The family that God's called me to. Well, that's the supply that you need. Amen? And so don't get offended. Don't get hurt. Don't get your nose out of joint. You know, let's just just get after Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. You're not getting too excited about that, so I'll move on. We'll just talk about your family now. Is that all right? Because we're talking about family ties. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, let me ask you this. Has anybody in the room, maybe you've known somebody, has anybody ever came from a perfect family? There's no such thing as a perfect family, right? I mean, we might say, well, you know, it seemed perfect, or so-and-so down the road, they have the perfect family. There is no such thing as a perfect family. Who's got the perfect marriage? Anybody got the perfect marriage? It's not even possible, is it? I mean, the fact, I mean, I'm perfect, but the moment I got married, she messed it up, you know? <laughs> Come on, man, don't jump on the bandwagon on her side, you <laughs> know? You understand what I'm saying. We're all imperfect people. And so the moment that we have personalities, people in the equation, there's never going to be a perfect family, never going to be a perfect marriage. It takes work, and praise God, with God's help, we're going to get the, be- the-, get the job done and do the best that we can, right? But how many of you know that walking with Jesus is the number one way, the only way to ensure that our marriage can stand intact and our families will, will find success as a result of following Jesus, right? Right? Amen. Now, for that matter, when you think about it, God is the the creator of family. He's the one that established the family. And interestingly enough, that God being a perfect God did not create a perfect family. I mean, it almost makes you just kind of pause and try to figure that equation out. It's like God being perfect made people, but the people that he made weren't perfect. And they got it all messed up. And then there's always that question, well, God being perfect and God knowing everything, well, then obviously he knew that they were going to mess up. So so why did he even make them in the first place? Because God's God. And God always intended for us as his kids to never be robots or be dictated to, to follow instructions. But God made us in a way that we could purpose to serve him out of free choice and a desire to know him. Amen? Amen. So again, God never made a perfect family, never made a perfect marriage. But when you think about it, God uh, established that family on a perfect foundation. I said God established that family, that marriage, on a perfect foundation. And He also made them perfectly in His image to be like Him. How did He make us to be like Him? That is that we can determine our future. We can set the course and whatever we desire in our heart, we can have those things that we see through the eyes of faith. Amen. But once again, isn't it interesting that we as individuals, we live this life of comparison. You know, we, we said that, yeah, there's no perfect family, there's no perfect marriage, but for whatever reason, there's this misconception or this lie really is what it is, is that there, somebody's got it good or got it better than me. Everybody has their stuff that they deal with, right? There is no perfect family. I remember a a buddy of mine that I went to high school with. He was one of my best friends, and uh, this was several years ago. I think I've shared this with you before, but we invited them over for dinner, and as they came into our house... You know, the wife and I were working to cook dinner together. And, and you know, there's just that little tension there. You know, you get two people in the kitchen. You know, she says, I want it done this way. And you say, well, I got a better idea. You know, it just don't go well. And so there was that tension in the air. And so they came into our house, and they're talking. And then they, my, my buddy started laughing. And I said, what are you laughing at? He says, you don't know how much this blesses me and tickles my heart. And I said, what's that? He says, we can sense it. And I said, yeah. He said, well, we always thought you guys were just perfect and had the perfect marriage. And he said, to see that you're human? He said, that's awesome. And I'm like, well, listen, buddy, I live with her. I can tell you how human she is. (laughs) Listen, it's always easy to point the finger at somebody else, right? (laughs) (laughs) Woo, come on. But isn't it interesting how we always compare and it always seems like the grass is greener on the other side. Do you know what I'm talking about? It don't matter what it is that we experience in life. It always seems as though the grass is greener on the other side. But listen, there's always a reason why it appears that way. I mean, I've heard it said it this way. You know, the reason that it's greener over on the other side is because the grass is planted over the septic tank. But it also could be just simply the perception. You know, uh, my dad, He, uh, uh, they came over and they did some work in his yard. They did some culvert work and gas lines or whatever. I can't remember what they did. But they tore up his yard for, oh, the better part of a year. And then they came in and they uh, did, redid all the landscaping and then they, they uh, reseeded the, the lawn there. And so as I looked out and I saw, you know, dad's lawn, after a while that the grass started growing, I said to my dad, I said, I said, "Yes, it looks like the grass is coming in pretty good. And he says, oh, no. He said, it's coming in horrible. I'm like, really? He says, yeah, you go over there. He said, man, there's bare spots all over the place. But from my perspective, now think about it. uh, Track with me on this. If I'm looking at it from 200 yards, you know, 500 yards away or however long it is, and I'm looking at it from this vantage point, right? And so all I'm seeing is the side of uh, a grass sticking up, and they're all layered up from my perspective looking this way. Well, from this vantage point, it looks green and it looks plush. But if you get over there and you're looking down on top of it from a different angle, you see all the bare spots. But from the different vantage point, it looked full and it looked green. Right, And so it always looks better from the other side. It always looks as though somebody else has got something that you don't have. And that's really the trap of life, is this life of comparison. Right? It's never what it seems, but God has called us to have a marriage, have a family that is built upon a perfect foundation. He desires for our marriages, for our families to be the best that they can be. And let me come back to that again, just in regards to what we, we started with. God's whole intent is for our marriages, for our families, for our children, our, uh, to, to have a foundation of knowing Jesus. If husbands and wives are not together in their walk with God, there's some disjointedness. If there is disjointedness between a husband and wife, it will trickle down into the lives of the children. There will be disjointedness within the children in regards to their relationship with God. And obviously, again, it sends a confusing message, right? Well, they say that they love God. They say that they're Christians, And they say, but I see one person going this way, and I see another person going this way. Well, which one am I supposed to believe, or which way do I go? Because mom goes this way, dad goes this way. They say that they love God, but how do we, how do we uh, uh, bring balance to all that? And so God is wanting us to have a family structure that is built on the foundation of knowing Jesus. It's the family ties, or it's what ties us together. Can somebody say amen? Amen. 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 Well, again, as we begin to look at the, the subject, or really the, this idea of having a family built upon God's principles... It's important for us to look back at the first family because I think there's a lot of things that can be established or can be seen as we look at that particular family. Uh, for that matter, if you think about it, in regards to the family, there was a threat that came to the first family. And it came through the, the threat came through a temptation. I said the threat came through a temptation well what is the temptation or what is a temptation it is a suggestion it is an idea and oftentimes it is a comparison is it not again he brought an an idea a suggestion but if you think about it it wasn't just one conversation if you read the Bible, I think oftentimes we, we read that scripture and we see, well, Satan came to the woman and he says, you know, well, there's the fruit, why don't you eat the fruit? And she says, well, we're not supposed to. And he says, well, did God say that? And so she saw that it was good and she ate the fruit and uh, gave it to her husband and that was the end of the story. I don't believe that that is the way that it went down. I believe that the temptation was Relentless. I believe that the temptation was for a series of days and weeks and multiple occasions of where the enemy came came back to bring the, the suggestion and brought back the conversation of comparison. And you might say, well, where do you get that idea from? Well, the Bible tells us that Adam was the first Adam, but Jesus was the second Adam, correct? If you're not aware of that, well, you can find it in the Bible. The Bible speaks of Jesus being the second Adam. He came to fix what the first Adam failed to do, but if you recall, the Bible says that Jesus was led into the wilderness and was tempted for several days, right? And then, in one part part of the Gospels, it says that after Jesus responded to the enemy and finally had victory over the temptations, the Bible says that <clears throat> excuse me that the enemy left. For a later season. So what that suggests is that for 40 days and nights, the enemy was bombarding Jesus with the temptation, or the second Adam, we could say. But it goes on to say that that was just one occasion, but he was coming back another time to bring temptations. Well, so if that's how he did Jesus, which is recognized as the second Adam, then what that tells me is that in the garden, the enemy was relentless in his temptation to say... Listen, there's something better. That's his M.O. That's the way he operates. That's the way he works. I mean, if the enemy ever just came to you one time, and you had victory and he left you alone, man, we would all be faith giants, wouldn't we? I mean, our lives would look differently. But once again, how is it that we get into squabbles and frustrations and have all kinds of difficulties within the life of our marriage or our family, it's because the enemy comes relentlessly to bring the lies and the suggestions and it gets us into a place of turmoil, right? So once again, understanding that this is the way that the enemy works. He was relentless in his attack, in his temptation. But for that matter, it's important to understand that that temptation was nothing more than a conversation. Or a means of communication. And this is where the breakdown comes. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. But this is where the breakdown comes in every relationship. Every marriage. And every family. And it is the breakdown of communication. And so the temptation came in the form of communication. Now look at at what it says here. It's important to understand what Satan's conversation was. The first part of it was, it says that, well, listen, if you eat the fruit, you'll be wise like God. Secondly, if you eat the fruit, you'll be like God. And then as he continued to talk to her about this, the Bible says that she saw that the fruit was good to eat and was good to the eye. So what do we start to see in regards to that conversation? Well... If you eat this fruit, you'll be wise. Well, if you'll be wise, then you don't need God telling you. I mean, because you're wise. You don't need God telling you what for and what to do and what not to do. Well, let me ask you. What's one of the things that becomes an issue within a husband's and wife's relationship? I don't need you to tell me. I'm my own person. Who do you think you are? Well, what? I don't need a man. I don't need a woman. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Isn't that what happens? We start to look at one another and say, you know, I don't need you telling me. Who do you think you are? I mean, I, I, I was the one that come into this relationship, made it what it is. I can take it all with me when I go, right? Secondly, it says you'll be like God. Well, prior to that, everything concerning their mentality and their thinking, well, well God's our God. He's our Father. God, God takes care of us. But once He says, you'll be like God, that means, hey, listen, I don't have to depend on God. I can take care of myself. And once again, isn't that what we see uh, in the breakdown of, of, of marriage and family? I said about a husband and wife saying, oh, you know, I don't need you telling me what for. Well, what happens when the kids start to get a little bit older? When they start becoming teenagers, isn't that one of the first things that they start saying? I don't need you telling me what to do. Right? And then you start to talk to them and say, well, listen, you know, I'm the one that puts this roof over your head. Well, I don't need you to take care of me. I can take care of myself. Oh, is that so? Well, then you can just hit the road if you want to. Well, listen, I'll pack everything up and I'll just take off and I'll leave here because I don't need you taking care of me. Well, listen, wait a minute. Everything that you got, everything that's in your room was provided for by me. Nothing that you own is mine. It's just on lease to you until you get out of here. So listen, if you want to hit the road, then just take what you got in the way that you came into the world and get going. Right? And isn't that what we see? The temptations that come, the conversations, I don't need you, I can take care of myself. And then lastly, again, it says that they saw that it was good to eat and that it was good to the eye. So what were they doing? They were simply responding from the flesh nature of man and their emotions. And that's exactly what the enemy's conversation is, is to get you out of your heart, out of your spirit, man, trusting and leaning on God and getting over into the flesh and into the emotions. And man, I'm telling you what, when you get into that place of the emotions... It gets ugly, doesn't it? Because, man, the mouth gets flapping and you start saying things and you're like, God, dear God, I didn't want to say that. But listen, I'm just worked up. I'm going there. I'm going there. (laughs) Right? Because we get caught up in the emotions. And that's exactly how the enemy brought down the first family, the first marriage, was through a conversation. It was through communication, or we could say it this way, it was the failure of communication within the marriage or the husband and wife. Because had they had the right communication within their home, within their marriage, within their family, the enemy would not have had the access that he did. Amen. I'll come back to this in just a moment. But I was saying to you, you know, just in regards to the emotions. I, the moment that I said it, it made me think of this. I'm just, I'm telling, I must, as I get older, I get a little more sappy. I mean, my kids, they always make fun of me. But last night, my wife and I, we were watching this movie. And it was a movie where the young girl, she's uh, graduated from college and she goes off to some uh, Bahama Island or something and meets this young island boy and falls in love and they're getting married. And so the mom and dad, they come over, they're trying to get the girl to come back home, but then they ended up getting married. And then I'm watching this as the mom and dad are giving away the daughter to get married. And I'm telling you what, it, it was all I could do to not start bawling. And I know everybody else is watching the movie, but I'm looking at them thinking, you know, I've got two girls and they're going to leave the home one day. And I'm going to have to give him away, and I'm going to have to like that guy. I'm going to have to not kill him, and I'm going to, have to, I'm going to have to be okay with it, you know. And my little girls are, you know, they're getting older, and you know. And I'm seriously, I'm sitting there, you know, like. <laughs> and it was just one of those sappy movies. But anyways, you know, you get emotional, right? Amen. And that's how we're made. But nevertheless, the enemy works on those emotions to get us in a place Of working against us. Well, why again? As we begin to look at that initial family and how the enemy brought them down, there are the family ties that are still connected today. Meaning that the way that the enemy tried and was successful at taking down God's first family, the family ties still bind and he still works that way today. And so, if we are forewarned, then we are forearmed, meaning that we'll have the opportunity to recognize what the enemy's doing, right? And so, let's look at this a little bit more in regards to, in regards to uh, uh, staying strong against the temptations or the communication. And for that matter, I want to suggest to you today that in regards to their failure, once again, it was not the temptation that brought them down. It was the failure or it was a result of having poor communication between a husband and wife. And it was the poor communication or the lack of communication or intentional communication that brought down God's family. Conversation or communication is so important. In fact, for that matter, if everything's perfect, why do you got to worry about communication? No, it's the communication that can spoil a per- perfect scenario, right? Amen. And so, I said to you already that in regards to their temptation or the temptation, I don't believe it was just a one-time deal. I believe it was, a, it was not just a quick exchange, but I believe it was over a period of time. How does he work? No different than he does today. I believe that when it came to Adam and Eve, there was the distractions. they got busy, as a result of the busyness of life, somehow, some way again, we don't know how, but it, it, it could not be any other way, and that is, is that they had to stop fellowshiping with God as regular as they had been. Because God being a perfect God, being a God of love, one that is intervening and always wanting to give instruction and always trying to help teach us and guide us and protect us, there had to be a lack of communication or fellowship with God for them to get into that place. And once again, that's exactly what the enemy does for us or to us is to try to get us distracted to the point where we're not fellowshipping with God like we had been before. If you as an individual, in fact, men, I'll, I'll ask you. Well, women, I guess, I guess it would be applicable. But if men, if some man was messing with your wife, picking on her, or let's just say there was another woman that was beating up on your wife, what would you do? Would you just sit back and watch it? No. You would step in to protect your spouse. You know, they always say that, you know, they say you're not supposed to hit a woman. Listen, if there was a woman that was beaten down on my wife, I'd tell you what, I'd knock her out. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's the way it is. I mean, you, you're beating on my wife, you know. <laughs> you say, did Pastor just say that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Sorry. If that offends you, I would do it. Or what about your kids? If your kids are getting bullied, if kids are picking on your kids, what are you going to do? Are you just going to say, well, kids will be kids? No, listen, if somebody's messing with my kids, I'm going to get up in your business because that's my kids. You ain't going to do it, right? And so once again, if if I as a father in that way or as a husband, God's that way with us as well, trying to protect and intervene. I asked a question concerning you husbands. I remember there was a guy in the church. This was old probably close to 20 years ago. He was a guy that was kind of bipolar. Not kind of bipolar. He was a whole lot of bipolar. (laughs) And he came to the church one time. It was just my wife and I. We were working. I don't think we even had kids at that time. We didn't have kids, did we? Yeah, so he came into the church, and he was in a pretty manic state, man. He was just wound up tight. And so he started getting... Uh, pretty aggressive. And so I told him, I said, you need to leave the church. And then he started getting physical, man, started swinging at me. Well, finally, uh, uh, through all the exchange, you know, I just, you know, kind of took care of business. But during that time, there was a ruler or a stick or a broomstick or something. What was it? It was a broom that was right there by the door and my wife was watching it. She took that broomstick and beat him while I, was, while I had a hold of him. and she was like beating him on the back of the head, you know. Yeah. Well, why? I mean, she's not she's not aggressive that way. But somebody's attacking her husband, so she's like, hey, 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 "Hey, Mama Bear just showed up, right?" So, once again, in order for us, in order for us to get to a place of where there is division and schism within a marriage, there's got to be some major distraction or uh, poor communication that is taking place. Because otherwise, you would defend the family because that's how God designed us. Is that right? Amen. So once again, as we continue to see this, God made woman and man to be in oneness, to be in agreement. And so Satan came to Eve, and therefore, again, you have to understand, because if God made us so that husband and wife, mother and father would be united and the Bible says that if two agree touching anything they have what they ask because there's power in agreement, then what that tells me is that Satan had to work at bringing division or getting her off by herself. Remember I said there was distractions? Because as I said, if, if my wife is with me and you're coming at me, hey listen, let me, you're going to talk to me first, right? So that tells me that Satan had to get her off somewhere to where he started communicating to her. Because otherwise, he would, wait a minute, no, when they're together, they're stronger. What does the enemy do to us? He tries to bring a divide between a husband and wife and start to talk. Because if we come together, our communication can be singular and you won't distract or divide. But if you pull us apart and start gnawing, start gnawing, start gnawing, things get worked up, right? And I've said this to you before. I mean, you say, well, you're a preacher. Listen, I'm human just like, like you. I mean, just the other day. This is just the other day. I was here at Wednesday night, church, church prayer. Uh, my wife, I was talking with some people afterwards. My wife, she left to go on home. I had my vehicle here. She had her vehicle. She drove off with her vehicle. And I'm getting ready to leave after about an hour after everybody else left, and I'm sitting there Where's my keys? I know where my keys are. My wife took my keys. I called. I said, are "My keys. My keys still in your car?" She said, "Yes, they are." Oh, because yeah, see, yeah, you always pointing finger at me. I know. <laughs> so luckily, the people that I was talking with were still in the parking lot. I was like, "Hey, can you give me a ride home?" They gave me a ride home. Well, the next day, my wife, she had an appointment out of town, and she had to leave early. And so, I'm stuck at home all day long, and I have a laundry list of things to do. And so, all day long, I'm like, man, my wife, she took my keys, I don't have my keys, I'm stuck here at the house, can't get my stuff done, (laughs) when she gets home, right? Right? What does the enemy do? He starts chewing on your ears, and you start getting this conversation. Man, you're just ready to go, right? But when she gets home, and in fact, I just called her. She, I mean, she was gone. She was, it was like 8 o'clock at night, and I said, hey, I said, have you left? Give me a call when you come home or when you're on your way home. She said, do you need something? I said, I just wanted to make sure you ain't in a ditch somewhere. I said, have you, you know, whatever. It wasn't quite like that. But again, the enemy likes to bring division. What does he do with your kids? He likes to bring division with you and your kids. And when your kids are off doing their thing, what's, he, what's the enemy doing? He's talking. He's talking to your kids. Yeah, those churchy people. Always want you to go to church. You know you don't want to go to church. You know, They want you to just do this and do that. They don't care about you. They're just, they're just wanting you to be their personal slave. Just a do their dishes and whatever, right? He brings division. Why? There's a communication that's taking place and it's all about bringing a divide within the home and within the family. So therefore, husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, listen, we have to be intentional with the communication that's going on in our home, right? Set the dialogue. Set the course. Because your communication is what establishes the oneness within your home. Think about Noah. Noah. I mean, Noah was a guy that, was, the Bible says that he was a righteous man. He had some boys, and the Bible says that God says, I want you to build an ark. Now, the Bible says that from when God told him to when they finished, it was roughly 120 years. Now, I don't know why it took 120 years. I mean, it was a big boat, and it was just him and his, his, his kids, Right. But could it be that in the midst of them building the boat, you know, the enemy comes and says, you know, you're the only one that thinks a flood's coming, nobody knows even what a boat is, and so therefore you're the guy that just, you know, you're out here in the middle of the wilderness building the boat and everybody's laughing at you. And I can only imagine that there was times that the enemy sat on his shoulder and like this, what are you doing? Are you the fool or what? Look at you. And there may have been times where he delayed the progress of his project or what God called him to do. But the fact of the matter is, is that he completed the boat, so that means he got his self back together, began to communicate. And therefore, the Bible says that it was only he and his children that were survived. And it was because of Noah's faithfulness to communicate and set, set the course and the purpose of their life that he saved the entire world. Amen. Now, you can't tell me that it wasn't hard to have singular vision of thinking, well, this is what God called us to do. And even when the kids start saying, Dad, are you kidding me? You know, this good-looking girl is just making fun of you, and I want to go out with her. But, you know, because of all the stuff that's going on, you know, she says that she doesn't want to go out with me anymore. Dad, see what you... you messed up my love life, Dad. <laughs> right? No, they had the family dynamics. But once again, we see that one family out of the entire population of the earth said, Listen, we will follow God. We will build a family that's built on the foundation of the perfect Word of God. Amen? Amen. I'm running short on time, so let me get here on this. As you get ready to celebrate Valentine's Day this next week, as we're talking about family, guys, listen, if you didn't realize it, Tuesday is Valentine's Day. I think my wife has given me a pass for this year. I don't know, but anyways... um, Just saying. But anyways, as you get ready to celebrate family, I want you to ask a couple questions. This is both men and women. Ask this question. What is God's purpose for our lives? Have you ever determined that, discovered that? As a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, what is God's purpose for our family? What is God's purpose for your kids? You can know that. He will give you direction so that you can help shape and mold them and help develop their future rather than them being clueless when they get there. Secondly, are we moving in that direction? What I have in my heart, what I feel God has called us to do, are we moving in that direction? Number two, number three, are we in agreement? My, my wife and my husband, together, are, are we in agreement? As a family, are my kids, are we in agreement? Number four, are we regularly communicating the purpose and the direction, or are we just getting good at criticizing? Five, what adjustment can we make? If we've got a little bit off course, what's the adjustment's? that I have to make if you've discovered that you know what I've gotten a little bit off course the marriage isn't necessarily what we would like it to be the kids aren't where they should be if you've allowed your marriage or your family to get in the ditch know that you can get out of the ditch it didn't get there overnight so don't expect it to get out of the ditch overnight But if you recognize that it is in the ditch, it can be rectified. It can be fixed with God's help. Amen? I'll save this latter part for next week. We'll pick this back up. But let me just finish with this. Why don't you all stand with me? What's the foundation of answering those questions? Hopefully you wrote them down hopefully you heard a charge from God saying ask these questions so that you can have the life that you want the marriage the family but this is the perfect foundation by which God desires for us to build our home and it's the love of God first Corinthians chapter 13 out of the new living it says this love is large it's incredibly patient love is gentle and consistently kind to all it refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate it on its own importance love does not traffic in shame or disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor love is not easily inflated or excuse me irritated or quick to take offense Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. For if it never stops believing in the best for others, love never takes failure as defeat. For it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Listen, my desire is that our families our marriages the church family get stronger this year I need you you need me we need each other let's do life together and let's see God do some miracles amen it's gonna be a good year love to see your families grow your kids grow it's gonna be a good year amen With every head bowed and every eye closed father in the name of Jesus I thank you That, Lord, we have a family tie that connects us with you. Lord, I thank you that you have called us to have a family that is sound, that is stable, that is secure. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, even in the midst of failures, we don't look at it as a defeat. For God, we're getting better, we're getting stronger, we're learning from mistakes. God, I thank you that, Lord, with your help, we will be the people, be the family, the husbands, the wives that you've called us to be. Lord, I thank you that this is a year of increase and we are continuing to walk in the blessing and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Well, God bless you. We love you. Remember, church prayer on Wednesday. We'll see you then. Amen.
0: And with that, we come to the end of this episode. We hope that you have found inspiration and encouragement in our discussion today, and we invite you to join us again next week. Let's make 2023 a year of growth and love by sharing the message of our church with others. We encourage you to take the plus one challenge this week and invite someone to join you at our next worship service. You can get more information about our church and say hi to us anytime from our website or social media, all online at gvchurch.tv. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.